Hey, hey, everybody. This is Dr. Patrice Buckner Jackson, but you can call me PBJ. Welcome to another episode of the Heart Work with PBJ podcast, where we are disrupting cycles of burnout for people who do their work from the heart. Oh, yes, my friend, this podcast is dedicated to you, the giver's the caretakers, the educators, those who take care of everybody else also need to be taken care of. So I am so honored that you continue to come so that we can have this conversation to refill our cups so that we can go back out in the world and serve in the ways that we are called to serve. Hey friend, before we get into the episode, would you do me a favor? If this episode blesses you, would you subscribe? to this podcast so you won't miss a download. Also, give a rating. Let me know what you think. Leave a comment. Not only will that help me make it better, but this will ensure that this podcast gets out to so many other heart workers. So do me a favor, rate this podcast, leave a comment, and let me know what you think. All right, friend, let's get into it. Hey, 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 friends, it's Dr. PBJ, and I am so excited to come to you again here to share another episode of Heart Work with PBJ. Oh, my goodness, y'all. I am just, my heart is literally just pounding right now because I am so incredibly excited about this opportunity that we have tonight and this conversation that we're having tonight. So uh, welcome to everybody. I have the honor and the privilege of introducing you all um, to one of my sisters. This is a woman that I have known um, for eight months, but I feel like I have known her all my life. Immediately, immediately our hearts connected and they've been connected ever since. Um, And I specifically invited her tonight because it was just on my spirit, on my spirit. So I'm going to read her bio and then say a couple more words and then I'm just going to ask her to share. And I'm so excited. So Anita Morris is an inspirational speaker sharing a message of hope resilience and triumph for those who are living in the midst and aftermath of devastating life trials. She is the best-selling author of Step Into It, Overcoming Trials That Lead to Purpose, where she walks her readers through the process of stepping into purpose through personal storms. She's also the founder of the popular DIY fashion brand, Anita by Design, where she teaches women all over the world how to master the basics of garment sewing. Anita understands the struggle that arises when you're faced with a personal storm that threatens to rob you of your peace. After experiencing two of the most devastating trials in her life, she learned how to navigate the process of overcoming, which has led to a transformed way of thinking and living. Anita says the trials of life don't come to destroy you, but they have the potential to usher you into the purpose for which you were created. So y'all, like I said, I have watched this woman walk and I experienced her love firsthand. And I believe that her life is a miracle. I believe that her life is a miracle. And Anita, before I let you loose, I want you to know that I know that there are many people in my community um, who have experienced loss. Um, there are many people who have, who have and are walking through some devastating times. And I'm also, I'm always very careful um, because I believe that journey is so uh, sensitive and should be protected and should be honored. Um, I know that you have an encouragement in you for them today like nobody can. So if you would, my sister, just 
tell the community, tell the heart work community who you are and where this step into it message came from. Yes. Oh my goodness. PBJ. My heart, I'm, I'm, I'm almost speechless just listening to you introduce me because of this connection that we have with each other. And we were sharing before we came on, on how it was an immediate, it was an immediate connection because we are God's daughters and mm-hmm. he knows how to connect his daughters. So thank you so much for this opportunity. I love you with my heart and I am beyond honored to be here to share with your community because I know that you are serious about your people and you would not invite just anybody to come in here. So this is an honor and a great privilege for me. So thank you so much. For your audience, again, Patrice has shared who I am, but I will go a little bit deeper as an transformational speaker sharing a message of hope, perseverance, and triumph for those who are living through the midst and aftermath of devastating life trials and the author of the best-selling book, Step Into It, Overcoming Trials That Lead to Purpose, and the founder of the DIY fashion brand, Anita Body Design. I need your audience to know that all of these accomplishments, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of everything that I've been able to accomplish up to this point, but I need you to know that they all came with a cost. And the price I paid was pain. And I want to start with my DIY fashion brand because it was born from a very dark time in my life when I found myself down on my knees in my bedroom closet one day crying, holding on to my chest because it felt like my heart was going to fall out after I discovered that my husband was having an affair. In that moment, my heart was crushed. I was devastated. I didn't understand because we had been married for 19 years. And up to that point, I thought everything was beautiful. We had a beautiful marriage in my eyes. So I didn't understand. I was a stay-at-home mom. I was taking care of the children, holding down the household while he worked. And this man treated me like a queen. When I tell you he treated me well, I am not just saying that I am not exaggerating. He treated me like a queen. So I was confused. And then these questions started forming in my mind. And I wanted to know, well, who is this woman? Where did he meet her? How long have they been seeing each other? I wanted to know, was my husband in love with another woman? I thought about that and I started feeling like, God, what is happening? What is happening? How could this be? So I found myself down on my knees And then I remember getting up from my knees and I looked out of the closet into the bedroom and there was a window and the sun was shining in through the window. And I remember thinking there's no more sunshine because I knew, I knew that my marriage was over. I knew that I was headed for divorce because one thing I had shared with my husband in our dating before we you know, decided we were gonna get married is that I would never tolerate infidelity. I had been through relationships where men cheated and it, it was painful then. So I knew that going through something like that in a marriage would be exceedingly more p- painful. So he knew that I wouldn't tolerate that. So when it happened, my first thought was divorce. So as I'm standing in that closet, Thinking about this, my pain turned into rage and anger. And I remember I started pacing the closet and I looked around as my hands formed into fists and I saw his clothes and I wanted to tear everything down and just throw it out into the street. That's how mad I was. I was so mad, but I didn't. And then Patrice, I heard his footsteps. You see, when I found out my husband was with her, And I'm going to tell you, I am a woman of God. I am a woman of faith. I love me some Jesus. But in that moment, I wanted to roll up. I wanted to roll up and do some damage because I was mad. So he rushed home and I stopped pacing and I listened. And the closer he got to that closet, the faster and harder his footsteps became. And then there he was standing in front of the doorway. And our eyes met. 
And Patrice, that began the long, hard, painful fight to save my marriage. I decided to stay and together, my husband and I, we fought for it. We did the hard work to save our marriage. And I'm not gonna sit here and tell you it was easy. It was not, it was very hard. It was very painful, but we did it and we recovered. So as we started living our best lives after that, you know, we fell in love with each other all over again and it became more beautiful than it had ever been before. And I had never imagined that could happen after such devastation, but we were intentional about each other. So we continued living and we stepped into a new season and that is retirement. My husband retired from his job of 30 years. And as you can imagine, you know, we all look forward to retirement. And so we were very excited. We were planning. We had all of these things we were going to do, the places we were going to go. We had already started the traveling. And so we were just living our best lives. But six months after my husband retired, he was diagnosed with brain cancer. Patrice, I was, I was floored. I was devastated. I, I could not believe it. I, I couldn't imagine how this could be our reality. I mean, we were happy again. We had plans, we were going places, we were doing things. Then eight months later, I stood by and I watched my husband take his last breath. And at that moment, I, there was no, I, I just thought there's no way, I will never be able to recover from this. I was broken, I was hurt, I was devastated. I had no idea how I would ever get over that. And that's when I started to hear the words. And they were the same words I heard when I was caring for my husband. My husband was, well, after he was diagnosed with brain cancer, I was his caregiver here in our home. And so I was, you know, doing my job, taking care of the man who took care of me for 22 years. And I did it with a heart of love. So as I was going through that, I was hearing these words. So after he passed away, I started hearing the words again. And those words were stand, trust, endure, and proceed. Mm -hmm. And as I'm hearing these words, the first word I heard was stand. And I thought it meant that I needed to be strong. And so I thought, oh, I know how to be strong. I, I can be strong, but that wasn't it. It meant that I needed to stand in my faith using everything that God had already planted in my heart along the life, this journey that I've been on, yeah. using that to help usher me through this grief process into my healing. So I did, I stood. And the next word I heard was trust. And I thought, oh yeah, I know how to trust God. I've been trusting God, but yeah. it was different this time. This time it meant that I needed to remember that God is sovereign and he does not allow anything to come into my life without his permission. And if he gives it permission, then it has purpose mm. because he's an intentional God. So I trusted him, Patrice. And then I heard endure, but I didn't just hear endure. I heard endure with grace. Now it's one thing to endure, <laughs> but to endure with grace. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, what it meant is that I needed to allow myself to go through the process. I needed to allow myself to go through this grief journey without trying to fight it without trying to run away, without hiding, without trying to escape the pain. But I needed to allow myself to be present in that thing. Mm. So I did, I endured it. And then finally I heard proceed. And what that meant is that I needed to proceed along the journey that God had ordained specifically for me since before I was born using yeah. everything that I had learned from previous trials in my life to help usher me into this purpose for which he has created me in this season of life. Mm. So I did, I proceeded and I am, I'm still on this journey. It's not like I have arrived. I continue to stand in my faith, trust the sovereignty of God, endure the trial with grace and proceed to this purpose to which he has called me.
Oh, Anita, my goodness. So first of all, let me just thank you. Let me say thank you for the courage and the obedience that it takes to tell your whole truth. Um, I remember hearing you speak about when you first uh, started to write, step into it. You didn't plan to talk about the adultery. You started writing this book about your grief journey. And at some point you believe God told you or you heard God tell you, you need to write the whole story. Yes. So as I'm writing this book, as Patrice has already said, my purpose was to share my process, to share these steps that I had gone through because I knew it would be helpful for someone else. And my plan was to use my husband's journey of his illness and his death throughout the book to help and demonstrate how I did it. Well, as I'm writing, I start getting these promptings on my heart from the Holy Spirit to share the dark parts of my past. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I said, no, why would I do that, God? Why, why would I do that? What does that have to do with what I'm sharing here and how I wanna help these women? So I said, no, I, I, I didn't wanna do it. I was afraid. I didn't want people to know that my husband had cheated on me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want people to know because I share parts of my dark childhood past too. I didn't want people to know that my father was a drug abuser, that he beat my mother. Mm-hmm. I didn't want them to know that my father died from a drug overdose. I didn't want people to know that. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. Mm -hmm. But I kept getting these promptings on my heart. It would not go away. As hard as I tried to just push it aside, it wouldn't go away. So eventually I had to surrender to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord God, if this is you calling, if this is what you want me to do, I'm going to obey you because I know that if you are calling me to do it, someone needs to hear it. If you want me to share that it share this information. It is not in vain. You have a purpose for it. So I obeyed and I stepped forward and I wrote, and I want you to know, I want your audience to know that as I surrendered and said yes to God on doing this thing and sharing the dark parts, my truth, my story, when I tell you the deliverance Mm. from all that I had been holding in, it was like a a wave of peace that rained down on me. It was like God saying, exhale, exhale. Because holding all of that in, it was holding me in bondage. And I didn't even realize that. I had no idea that I was living in bondage to my past. I thought I was fine because I'm living life. I'm doing my thing and it's good. That's the past. I've gotten over it. But what I learned, what I discovered in writing this book is that when you go through a trial, this has been my experience, when you go through a devastating life trial, sometimes it will draw you back to previous trials. It will bring that stuff up again. And so I was like, okay, I see what's happening, Lord, because as I'm writing and sharing this, I'm getting more deliverance for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm getting it for myself. And so I tell people all the time, writing this book was a God assignment and it was an opportunity to further facilitate my healing, my past. And I'm like, I never imagined, I never imagined that was going to happen. When I wrote this book, I had no idea it was for me first. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Anita, so we, in the heart work journey, our first step is baggage, right? It's called baggage. And that's that's when we grab hold to our burnout story and the roots of it and where it came from. And it connects to what you're saying. And it's, just, it's like when Jesus healed the man with the withered hand, he said, let me see it, stretch it forth. And the man's like, it's, it's broken. Like I can't. I can't. And, and just like, no, let, let me see it. We cannot heal. We cannot be free. We cannot walk forth without the chains of burnout or grief or pain without looking at it. We have to acknowledge what's in our backpack. Yes. 
We have to acknowledge the story. If we refuse, and everybody's got something, right? As, as long as you've been living on this earth, you got something. Everybody's got something. And we have to be willing to look at it. And we fight shame. And we fight frustration and disappointment and the opinions of others. And sometimes those roadblocks stop us from actually opening up that baggage to find out what's in there yes. and to deal with it. We can't deal with it if we won't look at it. That's right. That's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. And, and when you while you're telling your story. I'm thinking and I'm hearing your relationship with God and the strength of your relationship with God and with what you went through um, in both places, what you went through, you could have easily, you could have easily decided that, no, that I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't trust God. I don't know why he allowed this, but here's what I'm hearing. It, it sounds like your relationship with him became deeper. And, you know, so it's it's almost like the trial brought you closer to him. And I always tell people crisis doesn't make you into anything. It's a mirror. It shows you who you are. Oh, my goodness. It is so true. When I learned to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I was in my adult. I was in my it was after I had my first child. So I was like 28 when mm -hmm. I learned how to have a relationship, I had known G I had known of, of Jesus before mm -hmm. that because I would go to church and you know all of this, but I didn't know how to have a relationship with Him. So when I learned how to have a relationship with Him, and throughout the years, if I, as I have committed myself to getting to know Him more and deeper, He has been training me, Patrice. Mm -hmm. He has been training and preparing me for this moment, for those seasons. I didn't know that at the time. All yeah. I knew was that I was learning about God. I was wanting to walk in obedience to the things that he was teaching me. I didn't know that he was preparing me. It wasn't, I have to tell this story. It yeah. was probably my children were, they weren't teenagers yet, but I was teaching at my church. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was on the women's ministry. I was running a Bible study. I was doing all of these things in ministry outside mm -hmm. of my home. And I was busy. I was really busy. And I thought, okay, this is, I'm serving God. You know, I'm mm -hmm. doing the things I'm supposed to do to serve God. Well, out of the blue, after my children were graduating into the youth group and I handed them over to the youth group. Clear as day, I heard step down. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, did I hear that right? And I kept hearing it step down because I was going to, I thought I was going to continue and start another Sunday school class, another group and take them through step down. And I was like, what? And so I started pondering and listening and listening God was telling me to step down from everything and mm -hmm. to go home. That's what I heard in my spirit, step down, go home. And so I resigned from everything that I was doing at church because it was so heavy on my heart to oh. listen. And I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. Step down, stop serving. But isn't that how I get to know, isn't that how I have a relationship with him by doing all of these ministries? So I had to obey. And I, like I said, I resigned from everything and I went home. And as I was at home, I discovered that I was neglecting my first ministry, which is my mm -hmm. family, because mm -hmm. I was so busy serving outside of the home that they weren't getting the care, the level of care that they, that they needed. Yes. So as I went home, one day I decided I'm going to have my own personal Bible study because I wasn't even attending any Bible studies outside of the home. I stepped back from everything. So I decided I'm going to have my own personal Bible study, just me, Jesus and the Bible. And when I tell you that was the most powerful study I have ever been a part of in my life, it was so heavy that there were days when all I could do was put my hands up. One day, I remember being in the office of our home and I'm having my Bible study mm -hmm. and I felt such a heavy presence of the Lord in the space with me that I had to stop. I had mm -hmm. to physically stop. And I said, Lord, I don't know what you're preparing me for, 
but I know you're preparing me for something. And I knew in my spirit that he was preparing me for something that was going to be hard. So I said, God, I don't know, but thank you. Thank you, God, for what you're, whatever you're doing. And throughout the rest of that day, I could not shake that feeling that he was preparing me for something. So fast forward to when I was taking care of my husband and feeling very tired and fatigued because he, he became bedridden. He couldn't do anything. So I was doing everything and I was so tired. And I remember one day I felt so just broken that I started to cry, but I didn't want my husband to see me cry. So I went into another room and I got down on my knees and I was crying. I said, God, I'm so sorry because I hadn't been spending time with him. I hadn't been doing any reading the word, nothing. And I said, God, I'm so sorry. I said, God, I'm tired. I'm tired. I don't have anything else to give. I don't have anything to offer. And I heard in my spirit, my daughter, you don't have anything to offer but I have everything to offer. And it is through you that I will heal the hearts of others. My daughter, you are living my word. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I flashed back to that day in the office when I was studying. He was preparing me for that moment to live what it is he was planning in my heart back then. So when I think about you know, how he has taken me along this journey into having a relationship with him and how you mentioned that it had to be deep and go deeper in this process. Oh my goodness. I never imagined it could get deeper, but that is exactly what has happened. I believe with all of my heart, nobody can tell me different that what has happened as a result of these heavy trials that I have been through have ushered me into a deeper relationship that I would not have otherwise. I don't think I could be in the place where I am right now with my Jesus, with my God, as much as I love him, had I not gone through these things. Mm, My goodness. I I appreciate the way that when you reflect back, you see how he prepared you for what was to come. Um, I have a friend, a very close friend who lost her mother a few years ago. And prior to losing her mother, she went through the season of weeping, just weeping. She didn't know why she was crying. She didn't know why she was upset. She didn't necessarily have a reason at that moment to be upset, but she just went through a season of weeping, just wept. And that season ended. And her mom passed away. And it's not that she didn't shed a tear when her mom passed away, but she felt strong Mm. and she felt like she could walk through it and she could do the things and make the decisions and support the family. She felt like she was emotionally in a place that she could handle it. And and she believes that God allowed her like um, she always tells me he doesn't let you he doesn't he doesn't allow it to take you by surprise, meaning You may not know what you're being prepared for, but you're being prepared. You may not know what is to come, but he loves us enough to make sure that we're ready because he knows the end from the beginning. Yes. None of this takes him by surprise. None of our trials, none of our struggles takes him by surprise. He knew it from my very first breath. He knew what was to come and he loves us enough to make sure that when we get to that point that we can handle it. We don't want to handle it. Nobody wants to walk through that kind of pain. Nobody wants to face that kind of responsibility, that kind um, of weight, but you were prepared. He loved you enough to make sure you were ready to walk through that season. Yes. He's so good like that. He sure is. And you know, it's, it's really interesting that you share that I was ready. And here's the thing that I want everybody to know. I'm not saying I was ready for my husband to die. I would never be ready for that. But what I was ready for is the grief process that I would have to go through. I was Mm -hmm. ready. God prepared me to go through that. You know, sometimes when we are faced with devastation or even sometimes with 
not really heavy trials, but sometimes when we're faced with the trials or the storms in life, we want to hurry up and get through it. We want to mm -hmm. reach through the healing process. It's like, you know, we're we're living in a society, society where everything is rush, rush, rush. Hurry up. I want it now. I want to do it this way. I want it now. You know, I think about fast food meals. When we go through the drive through, we want a fast food meal because we want it now. Well, some of us want a drive through healing. We don't want to allow ourselves the time to go through it. But what I want you to know, the people who are listening, is that a drive through healing yields a drive through existence. And what I mean by that is this, when we don't allow ourselves to be present and to sit with that thing that we need to go through in order to make it to the other side and to in, or not enjoy, but to allow this journey or allow the healing to take its place along this journey, when we don't allow ourselves to do that is we're taking all of that unresolved pain, grief, hurt, and anger into our future with us. And what we are doing is as we're trying to mask it, run away from it, hide it, we are continuing to move and speed through life. We want to make sure we're staying busy so we don't have to think about it. So a drive-through healing yields a drive-through existence. And here's the thing. At some point, you're going to have to face it. Yeah. Grief will find you. If you don't deal with it, grief will deal with you. It will find you and it will deal with you. And sometimes it manifests itself in destructive behavior. I've seen it. I've heard about it. It's, it's, it's reality. If you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. Yeah. Anita, let's talk about that for a minute because you have a beautiful relationship with God. It is very clear that you love Jesus. Yeah. Were you angry with him? Not once. And you know what? People may not believe that, but not once did I get angry with God. Not once did I get angry with my husband. Not once did I get angry at anybody else. I got angry at the circumstance. I was angry that my husband was not here anymore. I was angry that we would not be able to live this future that we had planned. I was angry that we didn't get to travel like we had planned to do. So yes, I got angry. There were times when I was really angry. I would pound on things, Patrice. It was painful. I was hurt. And yes, I had a season and I had, I, I won't call it a season because I didn't like have an extended amount of time where I sat in anger, but there were moments where I would, I would get angry, but I never got angry with God. And another thing I continued to do is I continued to praise him. I never lost my praise, never, ever. When my husband was diagnosed with his brain cancer, I asked him for permission to share in my Facebook, in my personal Facebook page. And because he was, he was private, he didn't do social media or any of that. So I asked him if I could have permission to share what was going on. And my motive for doing that is that I wanted as many people praying as possible. Yes. I wanted people on board with us praying and he gave me permission to do that. So I did. And I kept asking for permission when we would get new information and he continued to allow me to share. And so eventually I stopped asking and I continued to share with the community or with my private Facebook page. And yeah. then with my sewing community, I was sharing that and so many people were praying. So what I did when I would share these posts at mm -hmm. the end of every single one, I always said, God is good. No matter what I was sharing, if I was sharing how I was in a, you know, very painful place, I always said at the end, God is good. When my husband died and I shared that information, I said, God is good at the end because I didn't want to, I didn't want to give anybody the idea that, oh, you know, she, she praises God. She worships God boldly when everything mm -hmm. is going well. But now that this thing has hit, is she going to turn away? Is she going to mm -hmm. not praise God? No, God is my everything. He's my source of life. He, he, he uh, like I said, he doesn't allow anything into my life without mm -hmm. his permission. So yeah. I, I continue to praise him. So no, I never got mad at him. In step into it, when you talk about endure, go into this piece about self-care. Can you talk Ooh. a little bit about some of those spaces, places, things that helped you or may help others as they're trying to figure out what do I do with this anger? What do I do with this grief? What do I do with this frustration? Um, I had a community member ask me the other day in a live, she said, where do I start? 
what would you what would you say about and that may be two different questions so i'll let you handle it how you want to but one is about self-care but the other one is where do i start yes okay so i'm going to start with where do i start well as i have shared already you start with just allowing yourself to be present in that thing you know not running away from it you allow yourself to just acknowledge what has happened and allow yourself to be present in that so when it comes to the self-care, I shared quite a, quite a few things. I can't remember how many, but I'm going to touch on a few of them. So one that I want to mention is rest. And this part, it is very difficult. It is not easy to find rest when you are going through a devastating life trial, but it is crucial. And when I talk about rest, I'm talking about not running away and hiding from the situation. I'm talking about giving yourself an opportunity to step back for a time for, you know, however long you can do that. For some people, you may be able to get away for only 30 minutes, you know. And, and when I talk about getting away, I'm talking about mentally, physically, if you can. Yeah. So if you can get away for 30 minutes, do that. You know, if you can get away for an hour, do that. If you can get away for a day, do that. So when I talk about resting, what I experienced is that because I was a full-time caregiver for my mm-hmm. husband and he was bedridden and I had to do everything, it was hard for me to get away. Yeah. But I had people, I had community. And this is important, you know, when you are going throughout life and you're living and, you know, you have your friends and you're building community, your community will come to serve you. If you, your community will come to serve you if you are allowing yourself to be present with them. So all of this has to take place before you even enter into a devastating life trial. So I had community and they were there for me. So when I needed to get away, I would call people first. They would reach out to me because I wouldn't call it first because I felt like I would be a burden to other people. But they started reaching out to me and telling me, Anita, you need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. You need Mm -hmm. to get rest. So Mm -hmm. I would call and ask them to come and sit with my husband so I could get away. And so that was part of rest for me, just stepping away from the situation so that I could just clear my mind and come back better and ready to take care of my husband from a Uh, from a mindset of rest, you know, just rest. And then the other thing that I talk about is making sure that you're eating and and drinking water. Patrice, Mm -hmm. that may seem like it's just so common sense, but when when people are going through devastation, a lot of people don't eat. I I was not eating properly. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that because I was so focused on my husband and making sure he was getting everything that he he needed. I wasn't eating properly all the time. But as people continue to reach out to me and say, are you eating? Are you doing this? Are you drinking your water? That blessed me because it helped me to refocus, say, oh, I need to eat. I need to make sure I'm doing it too. So what I started doing is whatever I was preparing for him, I made sure that I was eating the same thing because there was a time when I was trying to save my husband's life. And so I went on, we went on a vegan or plant food diet because I was trying to do anything that I could. And so when whatever he ate, I ate. So when we were doing that plant doing the plant food diet, I made sure that he had his portion and I had mine. And then when I was too tired to cook, because there were days when I had no energy to prepare anything, I had food that was frozen. So I had people who had prepared food and brought it over. And if I had an opportunity to cook something, I would cook extra and put it away. So I made sure that I was eating and getting my water. Another thing that I want to mention that is so crucial is that you protect your space your personal space, your mental space. Because what I found is that when you are going through a trial, sometimes people will see you going through that and then they will think that it's an opportunity for them to bond with you by sharing the things, the devastation or the drama that's going on in their life. I use the word drama because I'm talking about the people who have a history of complaining about life me, they will want to bond with you by telling you everything that's going on in their lives. And that is draining. It's draining when you're not going through a trial, but when you are going through something that can just suck all the energy out of you. And I had that happen where I allowed myself to be in company with a person for a length of time. And I walked away from that, that time feeling like 
I could not even breathe. Like it was so heavy on me. So it's important that you protect your space. And if it means that you need to distance yourself from people for a time, then do that. Whatever yeah. you need to do to protect your space, your mental and your physical space. That that's a boundary. So and, and so again, the heart work journey, because y'all may y'all may be thinking, why are we talking about this when we normally talk about burnout? Because it it, it is connected. What is in your backpack and what you walk through will lead you to burnout or keep you in burnout if you don't know how to walk out of that, if you don't know how to journey out of that. So we talked about the baggage, but these boundaries are are so important, especially when you are walking through grief or walking through trial. We have to have our boundaries to protect us all the time, but especially when you are walking through a sensitive season. Everybody shouldn't have access to you when you are walking through a sensitive season. You have to be very selective of what you listen to, who you listen to, who you allow to be around you, who you allow into your personal space, who's coming into your home. It is so important. Don't multiply the the impact of the trial on yourself by failing to protect yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So true. And, And people want to help you. They're you know, if you have community, if you if you have built a community before your trial, people want to help you. But you have to be careful with that, too, because in the name of helping you, people will try to slip in and, you know, they're helping you and doing this thing for you. But at the same time, they want to, you know, pour all of their stuff on you. Don't allow it. You have to be very discerning. Yeah, because who's it for? Exactly. That, just ask that question. Who is this for? Are they here for them or are they here for me? Um, some people are there because they want to say they went. Well, I checked on Anita. Well, you know, I went and spent some time with Anita. Um, you know, some people want to be able to say that they did the good thing. Um, the people who are there who, who are for you, you'll never hear them mention it again. It's so true. It's so They'll true. Never mention it again. Yeah. Some people will are anonymous in the way they mm-hmm. help you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had someone sending me postcards. The entire time, they never signed their name, but they were sending me postcards with very encouraging, uplifting words. To this day, I don't know who that person was, but that made such a huge impact on my heart. And I still have those cards to this day. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So we have to talk about this sewing community and this sewing connection that you have, um, because you told us the story, but you didn't tell us how sewing is weaved in there. So you got to help us understand what the connection is. Yes, yes, yes. So when I found out that my husband was having an affair and I decided I was going to stay in the marriage, I cried out to God to help me to get through this, to help me to overcome this devastation. And at the same time, I dove heavily into sewing. I had learned how to sew many years before. So I dove heavily into sewing because I needed something tangible to focus on in that time. I needed some, I needed to use my creative juices to take me to another place because that's what happens when I'm sewing. It's not like I'm running away from the situation, but it allows me to focus on something beautiful. And so I, I dove heavily into sewing. I would close myself in the in my sewing room every day and I would just sew. I would sew. And what happened is I started sharing what I was making with the sewing community online. I was in these Facebook groups and I was sharing and people started commenting. They started asking questions and I saw things happening. I was like, hmm, there must be something to this. So I continued sewing. And as my husband and I were working on rebuilding, he started getting involved. He started taking my pictures. He started recording videos because by this time I launched a YouTube channel or actually, no, before I did that, he was just taking my pictures. And then together, my husband and I, we launched my sewing brand, Anita by Design. And he was my photographer. He was my videographer. I launched a blog. I launched a YouTube channel. So together, we did that. So God took a very dark, devastating situation in my life. And he turned it into something so beautiful. And to this day, I am teaching and encouraging women all over the world 
how to sew their own garments. But here's the most beautiful thing. Before I went into that, before I launched my brand, I prayed and asked God to help me to honor him, to help me mm -hmm. to represent him in doing this. I didn't want to go into this you know, just any kind of way. I wanted to make sure that these women would know that first of all, I am a woman of God and that I am here by his design. And that's why I named it Anita by design. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to know that I am here by his design. And so when I, you know, launched everything and women started coming in and the most common, the most popular comment that I would hear, and I'm still hearing it to this day is, Anita, I came here for sewing but I am getting so much more. Mm -hmm. And every time I hear that, Patrice, I say, thank you, God, because that's what I prayed for. So mm -hmm. in the sewing community, we have these sayings. One is sewing is my therapy because it, it is therapeutic. And then the other is sewing heals. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of women in the sewing community who have gone through some things. Some are going through things and, um, you know, women will continue to go through things and they use the sewing the same way I use it as a way to escape for a time to yeah. focus on their creativity. And so, yeah, that's the connection <laughs> that it, you know, it, it helps us to get through the trials that we're going through. You know, and so first of all, let me just say this. Um, I think it's beautiful. I think because you speak about community. I hear you speak about community often. Your sewing community and our purpose to platform community. I hear yeah. you speak about community and the power of community in your life yeah. um, and the impact they have had on you, but also the impact you've had on them. Um, and I mean, God has done beautiful things. Your YouTube channel is over a hundred thousand subscribers. Like this yeah. is not, this is not some fly by night. This is real ministry. Yes, this indeed. is real ministry. And you have taken um, what was devastating and maybe still is in, in a lot of ways. Um, but you have taken these experiences and you have allowed God to use them wow. um, through you to bless other people. And I just had to introduce you to my community um, because you have blessed me. Not just by what you say, but the way you walk it out. Not just the, the talk, but the way you walk it out. Um, so I want to invite you for a moment. Um, I just want to give you a few more minutes as we close. If there's anything else on your heart or if anybody's listening who is walking through a devastating time or has walked through a devastating time, what would you like to say to them today? Okay, I'm going to do this without allowing a tear to fall. <laughs> Thank you so much, Patrice. What I would say to the person who has been through some things, because if we're being honest, not all of us have recovered or, you know, there are things that are lingering in our past. So for those of you who have been through some things, if you're going through something right now, my word of encouragement to you would be, to seek God. That, that in my heart has to be first. Seek God for your, for his wisdom. Seek God for your healing and seek God for your sanity. So as you are seeking God, know that as I have shared already, he does not allow anything into your life without purpose. If he gives it permission, then it has purpose. And that thing that you are going through, that thing that you have been through in the past, God has aligned and assigned a community of people to you who need you. So as you allow yourself to go through your healing process over whatever it is that you are going through or have been through, as you allow yourself to go through the healing process, remember that there are women or men who are waiting for you because of your experience, because of who you are, how God has designed you, and you are the only person who can reach their hearts. So allow yourself to go through your healing, but at the same time, remember that God wants to use you in the aftermath of your devastation so that others may be healed too. It is very 
encouraging and helpful when other people can see that someone else has been through something that they're going through and they are able to relate and know that because this person has been through the journey already, that they can possibly help me through it. When they see you getting up, you give them permission to get up too. And I, I always love to say the trials of life do not come to destroy you, but they have the purpose to usher you into the purpose for which you were created. So when you see that or when, when you go through a trial that just knocks you down on the ground, when it knocks you down cold, knocks you out, just remember at some point you will get up. At some point you need to get up and your get up will be your strength. Your get up will be your testimony. And like I said, your get up will give others permission to get up too because they are watching. People are watching you no matter what. And when they see you going through a trial, they are really watching. And if you are professing to be a follower of Jesus Christ, they are watching to see how you're going to handle it. So when I say that, I'm not saying that you need to seek to be perfect in how you handle it, but you need to allow yourself to go through it and allow God to use you to help your people. Amen. So listen, I know, I know that this was for somebody more than one somebody. Um, and Anita and I prayed for you and um, we will continue to pray for you um, that you will find what you need in God as you walk through this season, but also know that it didn't come to destroy you. Yeah. Whatever it is, it didn't come to destroy you. Um, but if you will allow him, God will use what may be devastating to you right now and he will turn it into something beautiful. Yes, indeed. Amen. Patrice. Patrice, thank you so much. Thank you for what you do, for how you show up, for your message. This message that you share with the world is so needed. I am so very encouraged every time I hear you speak, every time you open your mouth, I'm at attention because I know that what's gonna come out of your mouth is from God, it's from the Holy Spirit because you are a spirit-led, a spirit-filled woman and everything that you say has power. So thank you for encouraging me. Thank you for teaching me. I look forward to hearing from you every day. I wanna get my spoonful of PBJ every Monday. I just <laughs> love it. I love you and I love what you are doing for your community and for women around the world. Please don't ever stop. I love you. I love you. And I'm grateful to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I do want to tell you all, if you want to know more about Anita and what she is working on, you can go to AnitaByDesign.com. Um, you can purchase her book through there. Go to Amazon and get it. It's a bestseller on Amazon. Um, um, you can sign up for a sewing course. And when I say sewing, like this woman is a don't take it for granted now. She comes with it, okay? You need to follow her on Instagram <laughs> because these outfits um, that Anita is sewing, uh, they are the truth. So I don't know if I will ever get to that point. It's, I mean, considering I've never touched a sewing machine, but she makes a sister want to sew, okay? <laughs> so follow Anita on Instagram, go to her website, learn more about her. Um, she's a speaker, she's an instructor, she's an author, and she is a beautiful woman of God. And my life is forever blessed by knowing her, so. As always, friends, you know that you are powerful, you are significant, and you are loved because we love you, but God loves you best. All right. Love always, PPJ.